Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Nito, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. This is the third episode in our Target Masterclass season, and today we are covering everything media. I'm your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm Senior Editor and Specialist at Flywheel Digital. In order to understand media on Target.com, we first need to understand what makes Target unique, what ad inventory is available, and what Roundell offers. After that, we need to know what we're looking at in terms of measurement and reporting so that we can figure out what's working and what's not. And lastly, of course, in this episode, we'll give away some tried and true key points for winning the media game when it comes to Target. But first, our guest. My name is Toby Wilsey. I am the Senior Director of Media uh, at Flywheel, and I oversee everything we do in regards to Target Media. So our media activations across all of our clientele and our partnership with the retailer. And by now, you know what's coming with the next question. The last thing that Toby purchased from Target.com. So the last thing I purchased from Target.com was a gaming headset. As I was price matching around, Target had the best one and they had great shipping. So brought that over and, you know, constantly buying different things. Usually Target is my go-to for kids' toys, birthday things, anything where I know they're going to have the best department experience. Perfect. All right. So the next question I have for you is a question that we ask everyone, but something on your digital wish list, which means that it lives in a car infinitely. You won't purchase it and we'll come back to it at the end. And I'll ask you why, if that sounds good. Uh, Okay, good. Now that we know a bit more about Toby, we can get into media, which is half of the Metail puzzle. Let's get an overview of media on Target.com from Toby and then learn about the specific ad units that exist and how these compare to those of Amazon or Walmart. It is very similar to Amazon and Walmart in terms of the ad that is available on Target.com. They are a little bit more entry level just because they are a little bit more behind in terms of their e-commerce goals. Target's always been focused on making sure they have the best consumer experience possible. So they've layered in that advertisement uh, capability in a very, very smart and streamlined fashion. That means that there are sponsored products. So what Kate was able to talk through during one of our entry podcasts, as well as display banners. Sponsored products appear in grid or in browse results. So all throughout the page, but there are less ad units than you'd see on an Amazon or a Walmart. And then display banners can appear in in all shapes and sizes, both across target.com and offsite. Perfect. Let's start with telling me about Roundel. Because that's a word that's thrown around. And can you describe that for yeah, me? Yeah. So Roundel is Target's media arm. So when you think of Amazon Media Group, AMG, you think of Walmart Connect. Target's Roundel is their counterpart. So it's the same thing. It's just Target's version of that. They are currently realigning what their Roundel is. And that means new logos that are coming out. They just released. They are in the process of really building out that team. I mean, they've grown 3x in just the last year. So Roundel is something I think people will hear a lot more of in uh, the coming months and even year. And they control all things display. So while they are focused on search as well, we'll talk about the search partners in a little bit. But Roundel is the activator of display initiatives. And it's who any kind of advertiser or manufacturer would work with if they want to activate media on target. When you say activate like media on target, does search not count as that? So search does count as that. But at the end of the day, there are two aggregators with search with Target. Target's very unique that they've actually partnered with Criteo and Citrusad, two aggregator uh, sponsored product platforms that allow retailers to be able to monetize their site. 
So they essentially provide the tech that allows you to have ads on your website. So Target does that with both Critio and Citrus. Now, that said, at the end of the day, all those dollars that flow through these two uh, platform partners are still overseen by Roundel. So even if you activate search via these two platforms, you still are involved with the Roundel team because they are still involved with that client's dollars. And if you're a brand slash manufacturer slash advertiser, do you operate through Critio and Citrus ad or is it like one or the other to get the search placements? That's a good question. It can be either side. So really, if you want to go both, you can. At the end of the day, they're both great options. Citrus ads big play. And the reason why people choose Citrus ad is because there's no platform fee. Critio charges essentially a tech fee to use their platform. Those dollars don't go, go towards vendor income. And that's a very important part of Target and Target Media. Because of that, you might choose Citrus. Critio has a slightly further head leg up in terms of their tech development. They've just been at it a little bit longer. They released their API uh, more recently. So they, they have a, a little bit more development there. So if you're looking for more of that tech initiative and that innovation, Critio is often the, the partner that a lot of brands choose, but you can choose both. They have direct access to the sponsored products. They can bid in the same exact places. And because Target is on a first price auction, you are not going to bid yourself up if you activate on both platforms. Gotcha. And I'm kind of curious, like it seems like there are a bazillion different places that you have to be paying attention to, like where you're investing money and what platform and it goes where. And how do we as an agency help out with that? We work both with Critio, Citrus and with Roundel. So we handle all that intricacy for you. We will figure out where does it make sense to put those ad dollars why should we activate with one partner over the other, a Critio or a Citrus ad? And then we will activate that on their behalf, make sure that Roundel is in, in the know of these activations and that we are partnering with Roundel for a greater full funnel activation if the um, advertiser, the brand, is using any kind of display activations through the Roundel platform, which is direct through Roundel. These two partner platforms have nothing to do with display. Gotcha. And I was looking through the Roundel website yesterday trying to pretend that I'm like a prospective brand. When you say display, is that that's different from like DSP or is it? All right. So we're, we're not going to change it too far, but I think this is a great one for the podcast. Go, please. <laughs> a DSP is it called? A, it's uh, an abbreviation for a demand side platform. So a DSP is not actually display is activated via a DSP for programmatic. So Brown-Dell handles the display. They do partner with the DSP for their offsite activations, Trade Desk, and that's how they activate their bullseye network. That was a good personal note. Like, I know they're different, but sometimes it, it I feel like- It comes up all the time. You're a brand looking at advertising on Target. Are there kind of any unique call-outs that you need to be aware of? Or what have you seen that really differentiates Target? So Target has a very curated assortment, and that means that their site experience is completely different than a Walmart or an Amazon. When you're looking at Target, generally speaking, you're going to have about 25 results on a search page. If you compare that to a Walmart or an Amazon, you're looking at about 45. So it's a much more curated list. There are only three items in every uh, row of the grid, whereas on Walmart and on Amazon, there are four. So it varies quite a bit in terms of that site experience. When I think of Walmart and Amazon, I think of a site where the consumer is going they don't know what they want and they're trying to figure that out. They're using these platforms to help them guide into what they should buy. When they come to Target, they know that they want to buy something. They know I want to get a pack of paper towels. They don't know what brand they want yet, but they do know that Target is only going to provide them with brands they can trust. 
So they come to Target because they know that whatever they buy from Target is going to be a product that is going to fit their needs and they're not going to have an issue. So when brands come in to advertise on Target, they need to think about the fact that there's going to be higher overall competition. CPCs are higher on Target and that's because there's less ad slots. It's harder to fight for that. Major brands are the ones advertising on Target. Third-party sellers don't exist on Target. They exist in the sense of selling a product that is already listed. They cannot just list their own product. And because of that, it's not a never-ending list of products like it is on Walmart and Amazon. So while your competitive set is smaller, these big brands are fighting with large ad dollars for these ad slots, which means at the end of the day, CPCs tend to be a little bit higher, cost per click. So you're spending more, your return tends to be a little bit less than these other retailers, but that incremental sale is significantly higher because the target has created an ecosystem where the Circle app, their app, is used in store by consumers all the time. They've created a beautiful promotional capability where you have to have the app in the store to get a discount on a product while you're shopping in the store. So consumers are using the app even if they don't want to. They're forced to use it to get the best price. And because of that, e-commerce for Target has exploded in the last few years because it just naturally is being seen by more consumers than they have before. I was talking about this in some of our recordings yesterday, but when I used to shop at Target, being so local to so many of them, like if I couldn't find a product, you just search it in the app and it get, literally gives you walking directions to where to go find it on the shelf. And then you can also like I love clothing from Target. They do incredible work with their like in-house brands for clothing. 80% of my clothes are from Target. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm like Target and Gap. I know I've gotten old when I've started buying all of my clothes from Target and Gap. But like if you're looking through a rack, you can actually see if they have the in, like maybe you can't find your size, but you can go look and see if they have the inventory so that, you know, you have a right to go bother the sales associate to see if they have it in the back. Incredible. I'm curious. I know on like Amazon and I, I think Walmart as well, when you're going through the search grid looking for products like there are sponsored products that will be placed on page two and three and clearly they don't get as much visibility. Is that the same on Target or is it only on page one of search that you're going to see? Great question. So you will have ads on page two and three. And page two and three is not a lonely place to be like it is on Walmart and Amazon. Because again, you have 40 items on page one for Walmart and Amazon. Most people aren't going to page two. Instead, they're refining their search. On Target, when there's only 25, you're much more likely to hit that page two button. So page two is actually not a bad place to be. Now, when you get to page three and four, most people are refining their search at that point, but there are those ad slots there. There are up to five ad slots on any given term. In comparison to a Walmart and an Amazon, they're both around 10. Uh, Amazon's actually more like 12. So it is much smaller in terms of ads. You'll see two ads at the top of the page, and then on the third row down, that is actually all ads. Those are the only sponsored products on any page. Outside of that, it's display banners, which are intermittently put throughout the, the search results. I see. And now I'm just going all over the place, but back to kind of talking about how selective Target is with their marketplace. Are there advertisers who don't have products that are necessarily in standard Target stores? Now, it's not as big as Walmart and Amazon by any means, but you can absolutely have items that are only available online. 
and they will be available for national distribution. By doing an online-only approach, uh, a lot of manufacturers are able to increase their overall catalog size on Target. But Target, of course, just like any retailer for brick and mortar, has a finite amount of space on their shelves. So only the best sellers will make it into the store. But a lot of brands will add items to the online repository of product for Target so that they can increase their sales and then work with their merchant to say, hey, look, this item is selling like crazy. Let's bring it into the store. And oftentimes it will result result in that in-store distribution. Gotcha. Thank you. That answered my thought process of where I was going with that. Last question before we can kind of move into measurement and reporting side of things. I know like the target, the demographic of target shoppers is a little bit different than Amazon and Walmart. Does that impact how you're advertising, like how you have to look at your media strategy based on that demographic and how they behave? Yeah. When we look at ASP, so average selling price of an item, when promoting via sponsored products. So again, those in-grid placements. We are looking to see, am I price competitive with the category? Am I trying to promote something that is is too high cost or too low cost? Low cost is actually something we think about with Target because it's a, it's a bit more of an affluent shopper than your, your Walmart shopper. But it is, I would say, on par with your Amazon shop. Amazon and Target shoppers are often one and the same. Target might be their more brick and mortar and omni-channel store, whereas if they're just trying to get something shipped to their door, they're using Amazon. So when we think about the Target shopper, we think about what are the items that we're trying to promote within these spaces? And do I need to leverage a display activation to drive greater visibility? Because Target has created a quite unique display uh, opportunity with the different placements they have. They've monetized their site with display in a very different way than Walmart and Amazon have. in a way that allows you to actually utilize display in uh, partnership with your sponsored products so that you can maybe promote an item that would not perform well from a sponsored perspective. Let's take a hot second to reflect on all of the knowledge that we just absorbed. Ah, okay. So we've got some footing when it comes to the basics of media on target.com. But after you're all set up and ready to go, what's next? What metrics are important? These questions brought me back in time more than a year ago when we filmed our Media 101 episode of our Amazon season with Kate Grubel, who was talking about there being such a heavy focus on ROAS from clients looking to understand their media performance. Is that the same for Target? Have the times changed? I would still say that ROAS is an imperfect metric. We're still there. The difference is that more brands now than ever come in to work with us or, or work with an agency and already understand that. Before, two years ago, it was a lot of education. No, this is why it's not a, a perfect metric. Today, a lot of brands understand that. On target, the metrics we're really looking at that we want to understand, are we being successful, is brand affinity. And brand affinity is new to brand. So am I actually capturing a consumer who 12 months ago was not buying from Target for this product? So understanding what my new consumer basis is and understanding if I'm driving unique household penetration. So am I increasing the amount of households within the United States that are buying from Target.com? These are all numbers that are trackable and traceable. And then we can understand, am I increasing my overall market share on Target? And am I driving greater revenue for my brand? So it's a much more robust analysis than the days two years ago when we could just say, here's your ROAS, and that was your number. And that was what most agencies were doing. Today, it's this massive mapping of different data and analytics to understand am I actually increasing your overall top line or am I just selling items online that are maybe taking sales from in-store? That's the 
the joy and also the problem with Omni is that you have to make sure that you're driving net new online customers who might also go into store and not just taking an in-store customer and making them an online customer. Interesting. Okay, that was one of my follow-up questions was going to kind of be, how does Omni play into this? Because with Amazon, you know, Fresh does exist, but it's... Minute, yeah. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's really only grocery businesses. And Target, it's a much wider kind of range of products that are hipping and happening. Exactly. I mean, Target's biggest categories by far and wide are, are definitely their apparel and their home goods. I mean, grocery is a big, big spot for them in certain parts of the country. But I mean, if you compare it to all the other retailers out there, Target's pretty low on the list in terms of grocery. That inspires me to ask, because Target is so well known for their private label kind of products, what does competition sort of look like when you're trying to compete against a retailer that has so many owned labels and we usually work with the brands that are not the owned labels on a target well target does the very smart due diligence to make sure that they do not promote their own products when it comes to online advertising we love target yeah they they do not they're not pushing out good and gather and and uh god i think of our archard farms which doesn't exist anymore one of my favorite uh, Target brands back in the day, <laughs> but up and up, they're not promoting these products online. They're not putting ad dollars against it because they know that these these consumers know Target brand products are quality. So they know they will sell themselves. Their job is to use that as low-hanging fruit entry to consumers. These bigger brands and these brand names, their job is to upsell the consumer and say, hey, that's great that you're buying this $3 pack of granola bars, but I have a much better organic natural product for $5.50. And that advertisement is what's going to get them to pivot. I'd like to know, in terms of reporting from Roundell, how does that kind of compare to that of Amazon or Walmart Connect? Like insights, are they similar? Are they different? In terms of data that's available, all your standard metrics you would ever expect from a media engagement are there. Your impressions, your clicks, your sales, your spend. But with Roundell, there's some unique data sets that they provide, things like unique reach, uh, household penetration, frequency of consumer. They have a ton of social. If you're running a social ad with them, they have a lot of social metrics that I don't get from a Walmart connector from an Amazon. Amazon doesn't partner with too many social platforms yet. That's going to change soon. They're working on that. You know, They want to get into that social game. But at the end of the day, Target delivers different metrics. They certainly still have plenty that they're working on and things that they need to improve in terms of those metrics that Walmart or Amazon are ahead of them, but they also are ahead in different metrics they provide. The difference with Target is that with Walmart and Amazon, both have self-serve display platforms for you to be able to pull your own insights, but they also generally provide you insights. Roundell will not do that as much. They have made a pivot in the last year where they will still provide some reporting to you, but for the most part, they give you access to what's called their kiosk, which is where you're able to pull display data sets or search data sets you can pull from your uh, retailer or your aggregator partners. And within those platforms, you are tasked with pulling that data down yourself. So it's a little bit different when it comes to the target side, where one of the challenges that a lot of brands deal with is on the display side, because it's very hard to understand what is actually most effective for your business just because Target is a little bit further behind in terms of the insights you can gather to understand if your display activation is driving a true increase. Measurement and reporting, check that one off our list for this episode. We've learned the Target media basics, how to measure success, and lastly, let's hear Toby's key callouts for success when it comes to brands advertising on Target.com. 
So if I were to just give you a quick two sentence breakdown of it, I would say what you want to do is make sure that you're promoting items that are not organically prevalent, being very smart about what ad slots you're actually chasing after. So do not just let an automation machine run your business. Make sure that you have an agency who is very actively figuring out which keywords you should deliver against and which items should be delivered for those keywords. How should brands kind of be thinking about Target in the grand scope of their e-commerce presence when it comes to budgets, priorities, strategy, etc.? When it comes down to it, brands are at the nexus point where they're having to decide, how do I use my dollars? All of a sudden, compared to five years ago, instead of just being like, well, I have my Amazon funding, and then I have a tiny little bucket for all these other little emerging retailers, and then I have all this funding for Google and for Meta. Uh, and linear TV pub- publishing, you know, all the, the litany. Now, all of a sudden, brands are having to decide, okay, well, Walmart's huge and Amazon's huge. And this company called Target is growing at this massive rate. Do I need to invest into it? And with those vendor income conversations we just had, they have to invest a certain amount. So what most brands do today is say, all right, I agreed to invest $3 million. $3 million is my budget. I think for most brands, what they need to think about is, am I actually seeing the results from Target that are driving that success? And should I increase my budget to make sure that I am driving a greater overall sales lift for my business as a whole, not just in the Target ecosystem? Most brands have teams that lead different retailers. That creates internal competition when I don't want to give my dollars to the Target team. I'm the Walmart team. And but It is up to those advertisers' leadership to understand where does it make sense to put my dollar that's going to drive my overall business. And often Target is actually the one to do that. The key is to also balance a very difficult question of, is this going to make Target want to ask for more money next year because I spent more than what I committed? No, but you need to approach it properly. And that wraps up this Media 101 episode of our Target Masterclass season. Before you go, though, let's see what's on Toby's digital wish list. It is the Blackstone flat top griddle. I've been wanting one for years, but I refuse to spend hundreds of dollars on a flat top I'll probably use once a month. So it will probably forever sit in my Target cart. That's valid. You're not. Nikki yesterday actually said a Blackstone grill like specifically the same brand. So mm-hmm. Blackstone is the grill. Not to not a sponsor. <laughs> Blackstone is the grill if you want a flat top griddle that is separate from the rest of your stuff, but they are very expensive, so I will never pull the trigger. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know anything about grilling, so I'm just like what is this Blackstone that people keep talking about? <laughs> it sounds like an investment firm. Side note. Okay, you all know I wasn't wrong. Blackstone is also an investment firm. Okay, just had to get that out there. That truly wraps up this episode of Mastering Metail. Be sure to listen into every episode in this Target series and stay tuned for what's coming next. Share this episode with your network too. That really helps us out. I've been your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Class Cancel with sound design from Enos Tension. See you next time.